Welcome back to C-Spanime, where we're having a state-of-the-podcast discussion. I'm Shorpsaway. And I'm Jordan. And this is Coco Disaster, the world's tastiest anime podcast. That's what they say. Now, uh, if you've been paying attention, you may know that we are skipping out on a spring preview and winter review episode for Coco Disaster. And that's because I didn't want to pull away from any of the attention to our good buddy Jordan, who is leaving the podcast. That's right. April Fools! He's staying! Uh, Everything's... Wait, oh shit, we're gonna... We're putting this out like a week from now, aren't we? (laughs) Right. April Fools again. Jordan's Whoops. leaving the podcast for real. Oh. Yeah. So, Jordan will not be with us uh, for the foreseeable future, and it's because he's been. Uh, he he can tell him a little better than I can. But from what I understand, NASA has picked him for a special space mission out to space to uh, to act as an anime ambassador to the other galaxies. Right. I mean, because if you think about it, right, if you take the word aliens, (laughs) that is closer to the word anime than humans is. It's true. I think think it's, if we're ever going to make a good connection with the alien folk and resonate with them on the spiritual and cultural and emotional level, we need to show them anime. Because that's the only way, that's the only way they'll respect us. Right. It's by sharing our culture. And what what speaks to human culture better than the diversity of anime? Right. And Jordan has been uh, training with NASA for the last couple months, so he hasn't even been able to keep up with all the anime that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Or keep up with the anime that's coming. NASA stands for National Anime and Space Association, by the way. Right. This is a new NASA. Yeah. Like, there's that old NASA? Forget those guys. It's all about new NASA. But yeah, um, this this is Jordan's last show for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought, I don't know. We we kind of just kind of talk about our the, the good times we've had here. And maybe I'll talk about the plans going forward. And maybe we'll have some extra discussion, too. Uh, but first off, Jordan, I just wanted to ask what you've thought of doing Coco Disaster, uh, and just kind of, you know, wh- how how you felt o- over the past year after the, the reboot. Uh, it's been really fun. Uh, I like talking about anime in, like, a structured form, and in a way where I have to actually put myself out there, so I have to think a little bit more about what I'm going to say and what is a just opinion and what isn't. Like, you know, I can't just go out there and say, oh, Killer Kill's back because it's got titties in it, you know? That doesn't fly. <laughs> right. so, so, you know, that's cool. Like, it, it's it, it's forced me to challenge myself a little. Um, and it's just, it's been good to, like, keep up with anime more actively than I normally would. Like, I don't think I would have watched a lot of the shows that I did for the podcast if I hadn't been doing the podcast. Uh, well, maybe not a lot, but a bunch of them. Uh, I probably wouldn't have even given a chance or would have dropped earlier. But in the end, I feel like uh, doing the podcast made me take 
a slightly more academic approach to anime. And that's great. Yeah, I think doing something like this has been fun for me as well, just because it's like, I I am definitely exploring more spaces of like, oh, when people say that this thing is good, I'm more interested in checking it out. Because at the end of the season, I'll be talking to you about it and kind of work through my own thoughts about it and help make a more formed opinion about it. Because mm-hmm. th- there are definitely there have definitely been a lot of surprises. And I don't think with the podcast, I would have given some of these shows a try. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that I think I would have missed if it hadn't been for, you know, you talking about it to me. Yeah, like, there's been some bad stuff. There's always bad stuff. Um, right. But, like, there have been some real good surprises. Yeah. You know, even going back to last year, I know, like, Girlish Number would have been one that I think both of us would have missed without other people telling us. Yeah, absolutely. That was what I was thinking of, too. Yeah, and so I think it's it's been very cool. And, like, talking to you, Jordan, you're, like... I think definitely more uh, articulate than I am in a lot of cases. I don't know about that, but thank you. When it comes to presenting, like, your your thoughts and opinions on stuff, and it's helped me kind of work through my own discussions like that and kind of have a better, like, analytical eye for things. Hmm. Seems like you look at uh, media in general more critically than I do and in different ways than I would. Oh, I do very much, but I don't know if that's always a good thing. And it's been fun talking to you because it's just a, it, it, you know, it is a similar but different opinion coming from you. Like, yeah. we, we do see eye to eye on a lot of things, and then there are other things where we just completely don't. And having that kind of mix and match has been really enjoyable. Yeah. A different perspective to help me formulate my own thoughts. Yeah, I agree with that too. And it's been fun. It's been a what uh, a year and change now. It was what fall. It was a fall preview of 2015. Yes, I think so too. Because that was when Haikyuu was coming back. Right. I think that was the first time we came back from the uh, from the hiatus. And then through then, it's there's been quite a few changes. We did the mid season stuff. We started dabbling with the single serving episodes. Mm-hmm. We did a couple AODs. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been cool seeing the podcast evolve with you there. And yeah. uh, I will definitely miss uh talking to you about this sort of stuff in this format. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're you're looking for bigger and brighter things and I hope that everything works out with you. Maybe uh later on we'll be able to get back together and just have a have a chat or something, but I know that you're going to be busy moving forward. Yeah. While moving upward into space. Yeah, I mean, forward and upward. Yeah. I mean, forward is relative, so I guess, yeah, upward. (laughs) Oh, but uh, I asked you before we did this if there's Mm -hmm. anything you wanted to talk about on your last show, just as like sort of a freeform discussion, kind of like just something to talk about. Right. And you came up with talking about Western adaptations of anime and manga, specifically in film. Mm -hmm. Because, as we all know, uh, a prominent one just came out, and another one is listed for later this year. Yeah. Uh, It was yesterday, as of the time of the recording, that Ghost in the Shell came out, and it's, uh, it's not doing so hot. Yeah, well, that's not a surprise, I guess. 
there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk about it and a lot of it negative and in the way mm. it um, perceives the source material and its characters. Yeah, which is a bit of a, a shame, I think. Like I haven't looked into the critical reception of the new Ghost in the Shell movie too much yet, mm-hmm. but all I've seen is either about the whitewashing aspect of it or is about the way it adapts the source material. Uh, I want to know more about how it stands on its own as a movie, because that information hasn't come to me yet. Uh, I know people don't like it, but what I've heard so far has mostly been about those first two reasons. Yeah, I think... I mean, there there are always those um, ad bits that go in front, and it seems like for those that don't have any history with Ghost in the Shell... Mm-hmm. It seems like it's, if nothing else, like a, a, a dumb, fun action movie. Yeah, like, I've been hearing that it looks pretty good. Like, it's got mm-hmm. good visuals. But also people are saying that the dialogue is pretty bad and that the action is, like, really rote. And that's about all... The only substantive criticism I've seen so far. Yeah, like, the the most I've heard really is, like, it's not boring. Which, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you'd hope, right? If you've got yeah. Bato like pulling machine guns all over the place and the Major Dune kickflips and running upside down over the ceiling, you'd hope that at least it's not boring. Yeah, that is the absolute least you could hope for from a movie. <laughs> I mean, I guess a movie can be boring and still be good. Yeah, it's true. But they, you know, people have been talking about it and just a, a lot of criticism about just how much it's different. And kind of awkward compared to the original. Like, it's sort of empty. Yeah. You know, that's another criticism I've heard. It's very, like, empty or shallow. Hmm. I can imagine. Like, uh, I don't like I don't know a lot about what the plot of the movie is. And really, I don't care to find out that much. Because I don't think it looks very good. But from what I understand, they approach what the major character is way differently than in the manga or any of the previous versions of the Ghost in the Shell story. Like, Mm. instead of her thing being that she's been an android for a very long time and knows how to do the android stuff real good, like, she's the first of a type, which I think is really boring. Yeah. And, like, that's not an interesting thing to do just on its own in a movie in 2017. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? And also, you told me that (laughs) she's, like, the mind of a Japanese person transplanted into Scarlett Johansson. So, okay, so from what I understand from other criticisms of it, so Uh this is a new major. Her name's Mira Killett or something. Um, (laughs) It's it's something like that. Um, Okay. I was going to say, I was thinking a little bit about talking about this earlier, and what I was going to say is... Uh, if they were going to cast a white person, they should have just given her a white person name. And the name I was going to just throw out there was Anna Butts. <laughs> but I think Mira Killett is an even worse name <laughs> for the Meiji. I'm going to check that real quick. I know it's Mira okay. as the first name. I don't know about the last name. <laughs> it's a good thing we're pop culture commentators and not journalists, because this would be embarrassing otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sorry, Mira Killian is... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's at least a real name. <laughs> that's not just kill it as a last name. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, as it turns out, 
uh, she has been implanted with the brain of the original major Makoto Kusanagi. Right. Matoko Kusanagi, sorry. Um, that That's one of those names I always fuck up because I'm so used to seeing the it flipped. Yeah, it still gets me too. Scarlett Johansson is literally an Asian brain in a white body, making whitewashing part of the plot. Oh, my God. It's amazing. See, a lot of people made a big deal out of the whitewashing aspect of this film, and it is, right? It's weird that they did this. Especially since, from what I understand, the original story is so, like, steeped in Japanese culture. Um, yeah, I guess in a lot of ways it is. But... Like, I think the the worst part isn't that they did it, it's the way they went about it. Like, if they just, Mm -hmm. like I said, if they just said it in America and called her Major Anna Butts, uh, people, a lot of people, or some people would have still been pretty upset about it, but I think that would have been okay. Like, the optics on that would have only been a little bit sketchy. But to cast Scarlett Johansson as Major Motoko Kusanagi, um... No notable Japanese person now in a white person's body. You know, that's re- that's a really weird thing to do. And then also do CG things to her face to make her look more Japanese. Like, why why'd yeah. they do that? And why did they give Bato the small glasses? And then to be like, oh, well, I always thought of it as kind of an international story. And don't worry, her name's not Matoka. Was like a... <laughs> this, this whole bit, I think if it were a different sort of production... I could see this being a thing that they just added in last minute to, like, try to appease the people who don't like the idea of casting Scarlett Johansson as the major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's almost too ingrained in what seems to be the story, from what I've heard, for it yeah. to be, like, a mis- you know, for it to be, like, a-, a slapdash finish. Well, a lot of things can be changed with reshoots. Uh, that said, I haven't heard anything about reshoots related to this movie, but you never know. Yeah, so it's it's possible, but it, it's one of those things like, maybe, maybe not this was a thing literally just put in because they got, you know, <laughs> a lot of a lot of criticism for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, to a degree, I sympathize with the studio because the, the license to get Ghost in the Shell couldn't have been cheap because it's a huge deal of a property in Japan and in America also because it was... And it's still coming out. You know, they're still making Ghost in the Shell stuff. Right, yeah. Um, and so, like, they, they probably already had a lot of sunk costs to begin with. And then, you know, I can't imagine making Ghost in the Shell as, like, a tiny indie movie. Like, I'm not sure how that would be feasible. So, like, a lot of money had to go into this. At that point, you have to get your money back. And, the like, a good way to get your money back is to get one of the, like, really big stars in Hollywood... Uh, to be in it. And when I say really big, I don't mean even Samuel L. Jackson big or uh, what's Captain America's name? Is that Chris Evans? Uh, Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And like not even Chris Evans big. Like that's not big enough. There's maybe at any point five or ten actors that you can bank on to actually get people in seats. And none of those are Asian right now, you know? So at that point, what do you do? You either don't make the movie to begin with which would have been the better option. But if they were going to make the movie, I don't know what else they would have done. Yeah, this, I mean, to your point, it's like, they they already sunk so much money into it, they're trying to make their money back. But ultimately, I think it would have been a smarter decision to uh, not do this if it was yeah, going to be such a huge budget. Yeah. 
And I think, well, you know, now that I think about it, I guess maybe you could make Ghost in the Shell as a low-budget movie, because it's a pretty gritty, down-to-earth franchise, especially if you're going to base it on the original movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much more cyberpunky than sci-fi. So, I don't know. It just seems to me they made the worst choice they could have possibly made at every avenue. But I understand why they made those bad choices, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And this isn't, you know, this this isn't uh, indicative because, again, we're only about one day out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the first day sales put it at about $7.5 million. That's pretty bad. With a budget of $110 million, So, I don't think they're Oof. making the money back on this one. Yeah. And keep in mind, that's just the production budget. That doesn't even take into account, like, marketing. Licensing. And, yeah. And, uh, well, licensing probably is, maybe. I don't actually know. Maybe. Uh, but marketing definitely isn't. And uh, maybe down payment on merchandising, all that kind of stuff. So... With a, with a very, with a big budget movie, uh, the, the thing that you can usually apply is that the actual money the studio put into it is twice what they say the budget of the production was. So it's mm-hmm. $220 million to have to recoup, and it doesn't look like it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, contrast that with the other movie that, uh, I don't remember what it was called, Hidden Figures, I think? The movie about the black women that worked at NASA? NASA, sorry. And that's, yeah, that's uh, that's Hidden Figures. Yeah, that was like a big runaway success starring not especially big ticket actors who are all black, black women. Right. And, you know. And I think that that says something about just how, I mean, stories are framed. Like, I think that one helps because it's about like a real thing and it's giving credit to people who otherwise don't get that sort of credit for the work they've done. Right. But I think if you try to pitch that to uh, an exec at like Warner Brothers or Sony or whatever, they'd scoff at the idea of that ever uh, hitting it big at the box office. Whereas, oh, totally. Uh, Ghost in the Shell starring Scarlett Johansson, it's you know, their their wallets are already open halfway into your sentence. Big property. Yep. Big name. And based on a like pre-existing IP, um, and it didn't work. And I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it's bad and that it failed. Yeah, let's let's get that out. Even though it's like we we feel bad for the people who made it because of all this. Also, this is bad. This is not. Yeah, good. I I hated the idea of this happening. And maybe next time they do Ghost in the Shell, you know, whenever they reboot it, like three years from now, because that's about the time it takes for a franchise to get the engine revving up again. <laughs> for other nowadays. people to forget um, yeah. that, that this happened. Uh, maybe then it'll be good, and Lucy Liu will play the major or something. I don't know. That, Get that, someone. Would be, that wouldn't be good either. I think Lucy Liu is Chinese, actually. Yes. Yes. Uh, she can play Bato, then. <laughs> that is the one step closer that I could imagine. Yeah. Uh, that I could imagine them doing <laughs> with this. Uh, but yeah, and then there's another one coming out this year. Yeah. That is extremely... We took a, a franchise and put it in America... That is uh, Netflix Death Note. Right. Which we've talked about a couple times just because the casting is like so bonkers. Uh huh. Or it feels that way. Yeah, it really does. And also because it felt like it took forever to actually come out. Yeah, that one, that one's been sitting for a while. Because mm-hmm. uh, Zach Efron circa High School Musical 1 was, um, was planned to be in that movie. Yeah. As Light. But now his name's Light Turner. 
mm-hmm. and he's in America, and yeah, that's that that's what we that's a lot of what we know so far. Um, it just got a trailer drop that was like nonsense. It was a pretty bad trailer, yeah. I don't even remember most of it. And I mean, they're like cheerleaders or something. Uh, Ryuk's yeah. not there. He's well, uh, his voice is at the end. Yeah, I mean. Kudos to them for, like, diversifying their cast, because I think they made L black? L is black, and the one really important not-Japanese person from the original cast is now Japanese, uh, which is Watari. So that's kind of weird. <laughs> they're, you know, they're doing all kinds of stuff. William Defoe's there. Yeah, I mean, that's the one, like, A-plus casting decision they made, I think. If he goes, like, full Green Goblin from Spider-Man 1 as Ryuk, that's great. You know what? Don't even give him a costume or CG. <laughs> just, if it's just Willem Dafoe, I think that works fine. I do actually think, like, obviously they have to give him a costume and CG him up, but I do think they could mocap his face and not change his face around too much. And he, because he, he kind of has a Ryuki face already. Very mm-hmm. long, pointed chin, high forehead. Um, yeah. The devil's eyes. So, looking at this, uh, 2009 is the is the year Warner Bros. got the got the rights to this. Yeah. So it's been it's been in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I like. I don't even. I think I was still in high school when I read about this. But there was a script leak for uh, a Death Note movie. I think we even talked about this before. Uh, there was a script leak for an American Death Note movie where L was or where Light was going to be called Luke, and at the end, the ending was him giving up. I hope that didn't make it into this version, because that would be weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... Um, so that, that's that gone through its multiple iterations, and they, they landed on Adam Wingard as the director, who's, uh, as far as I understand, kind of a schlocky horror uh, director. I don't know about... Uh, hold on, let me look this up. Maybe schlocky's not the right word, but like, I definitely didn't hear good things about the last... the, the more recent Blair Witch movie. Um, Which I think is his biggest thing that he did. Right. I think, you know, the yeah, the Blair Witch movie was pretty bad. Um, well, it wasn't bad, actually. I sort of liked it, but it was uh, definitely an, a strange way to approach the Blair Witch property. But, you know, he made Your Next, uh, which was definitely like a really good approach to horror. But then I do think his more recent stuff... It's definitely worse. Um, like, Blair Witch is okay. And then he did the a segment on the second VHS movie, which uh, VHS is like an anthology horror movie. And he did the segment that is generally considered to be the worst segment in all of the movies combined, or at least in the first two. <laughs> um, the third one's, the third VHS movie is really bad, so we won't count that one. Uh, but yeah, the one he did for the VHS 2 is really bad. But I don't know, like, the quality of the stuff he's made runs the gamut. Okay. Just from what he says about Death Note uh, as a movie, it sounds like maybe he doesn't get what what is enticing about Death Note. I mean, that didn't stop the anime director, you know? I mean, sure. And I've heard bad things about the anime, too. <laughs> yeah, the anime <laughs> as sucks. An, as an adaptation. Uh, they, like, they frame Light as the good guy. Yeah, they do. And then he gets away at the end. Spoilers. Oh, does he? That, that's okay. Well, but, he gets like, to he gets to run away. Like he still get, gets his weird ideological victory over near, and it sucks. Okay, and um, 
it's like it, it Adam Wingard's like, oh, it's going to be more violent and sexier and, you know, bloodier. <laughs> and it feels like, oh, well, that's not what people liked or like about Death Note. <laughs> you know, I, I, it always seemed like it was more about the, the procedural part of it. You know, it was about sort of the like intrigue, the mystery. Yeah. Like, even the super edgy teenagers that get into Death Note don't get into it for the violence. They get into it for the, like, the the premise, I guess. Like, the dark premise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Elfin Lead. Right. When's that going to get a Netflix movie? That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, D- Death Note seems weird, and I, I, I don't imagine it's going to be good. No, I don't think but so either. I feel like with Netflix's money, it doesn't have to be in some way. It's like, it, I don't feel like they're losing a whole bunch, even if this does flop. Yeah. I mean, because I'm sure people will watch it. And if it's not good, it doesn't really matter. Because they're not, yeah. not going to unsubscribe from Netflix just because the Death Note movie was bad, you know? Right. right. And, and I think, you know, with their subscription fee, it's not like people are paying specifically for Death Note. That yeah. that money just ends up getting, you know, funneled in to Death Note. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's going to be too big a deal for them. But it does seem like a sort of thing that's like, you know, even against sort of the whitewashing stuff, yes, they, they localize the hell out of it. And, you know, better that than to pretend they're still in Japan or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you know... <laughs> It just seems like it, it, it doesn't understand what made Death Note cool to, like, edgy teens. Yeah. All right. Um, do you happen to know where the American Death Note movie takes place? Because I just thought of something. Um, and I really need to know this now. Uh, I'll look it up real quick. Okay. Because I, I know, I'm pretty sure they've announced that. I'm sc- I'm scrubbing through to see, but I, I can't see. It just takes place in America, I think. Okay. Why? What's up? Okay, I think it would be really funny if it took place in Chicago, because then at some point, uh-huh. they're probably going to have to bring up the L train. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Like I'm sure, I'm sure for the scene where Light blackmails uh, Ray Pembar into writing down the FBI uh, names, they'll put him on the L train, and then I hope they either make a joke out of it or don't acknowledge it, and then it'll <laughs> just be a joke to me. Right. Cool. And those are my final thoughts. Oh, I hope that now all the FBI agents are actually going to come out of Japan. I don't know what Japan's equivalent of the FBI is. And their names will be just as weird and made up as the FBI names <laughs> from the manga. What they do is they just take the names from the 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 BB um, murder cases that that uh, light novel tie in. Uh huh. So they're just killing people like Beyond Birthday and Backyard Backyardigans oh. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's weird to make Death Note into a movie. Like I don't know how. You're like you'd have to either completely change and like shorten the series of events. Like it's probably gonna end with L dying, right? Like any good Death Note story does. Right, like that's the first like arc or whatever, I'd guess. Yeah. Um and I think they're probably gonna cut out the uh the the Yoshiba arc. Because it's ba- it's basically meaningless in the manga as well. 
But even then, I don't know, it would still be weird to condense that to just one movie. Like, maybe they'll cut out the entire part where Elle and Light work together to solve the case. I don't know. You know, I, I remembered just now that, like, the the reason the whitewashing is so bad in this one is -hmm. because a number of Asian American actors, uh, tried out for the role and they were told white actors only. Oh my god, that is really bad. Even on the casting level, they've said, yeah, we're not having Asian people for the role of Light. Like, what the fuck? Uh, I mean, for for Light, I kind of get it. Uh, the character's goal is called, like, Milt White or whatever, you know, he's gonna be a white guy. But I think characters like L could have easily still been Japanese. Yeah, because it doesn't matter. He's a private eye. He could be put anywhere and still be Asian, you know? Yeah, and I think it's uh, it kind of fits the L character to be from a relatively small country. Like, it's kind of weird for the super esoteric weirdo best detective in the world to just be from America. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's kind of strange, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it seems like such a weird thing, and I can't... I mean, maybe I'll check it out, because I don't have to pay extra money <laughs> to Netflix for it. But, like, yeah. it, it is such a... That's a weird thing. I don't know. I couldn't finish that uh, Death Note Japanese TV drama either, so I don't know if I'll even watch this. And, like, there's so many Death Note things, and they're all so, like, different in a way, you know? Yeah. Like, none of them follow the story exactly. All of them are, like, different interpretations of the same thing. Like, even the, like, the movies, there's, like, Death Note and there's Death Note 2, and there's that light up the new world cyber terror hacking uh, sequel like Mm -hmm. it's just such a weird franchise i wish they would have called it i wish they would have called the netflix movie death note takes america (laughs) i made a joke about that earlier with a friend of mine calling it death note does america (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and see there we go uh uh, but um, for today, I think we could also look back at all the other, um, I mean, largely failed, I think entirely failed uh, attempts to release uh, uh, American versions of anime and manga. Yeah. Which uh, I, I don't know how, how many of these I've seen. Hmm? Oh, have I you said seen I most of these? I can't believe how many of these I've seen, yeah. Uh, do you know about the Giver? Because this was I'm, my first yes. time learning about, uh, okay, so it... All the way back in 1991 is our first movie anime adaptation with The Giver. Yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, well, it was... I'm gonna have to... Hold on, I have to look up the page just to know what this guy's name is. The Giver. Can I talk about how much I love that it's directed by a man named Screaming Mad George as his, like, his director pseudonym? Yeah, so um, the Giver was kind of this result of a of a team up between a man called Screaming Mad George and Brian Yuzna, who had been like working together a little bit already, as far as I understand. And then, like the the they were working with all these production people who were already like really good at making these Gonzo uh, low like low budget movies. Like I think. Uh, some of Brian Yuzna's friends, or even, maybe even he himself, were involved were involved with Troma for a while, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of decided like that their forte would be really good for making an adaptation of the Giver. Or that's not what the manga is called. The manga is called like 
Bio Booster Armor Giver. That's what it is, yeah. And it's it's a it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's pretty cool. It has Mark Hamill in it before Star Wars, I think, or maybe right after Star Wars. Um, and he hams it up real good. And it has a lot of super cool effects in it. Like the thing about Giver is that it's what if Power Rangers was weird and gross looking. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, because it's, it's like super. It's like it says, like a bio booster or whatever. You know, it involves a lot of sort of weird, natural looking things on the armor instead of just being all robot. So it, it's a little, like fleshy and gooey and gross, and they adapted that very well into the movie. And then it, I, I hear it got pretty well panned um, as a movie. Yes, it's. It's a fun little movie just to see all the cool effects and all the silly acting, but it's not very good. And then they, three years later, they make a sequel. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. That stars David Hayter. <laughs> right. Uh, Guyver Dark Hero. Mm-hmm. Which I hear it not only is, like, closer to the source material and how, how dark it is, but also is, like, better... That could very well be. Like, looking at reviews, I it seems often plays like an R-rated Mighty Morphin Power Rangers installment, which maybe sounds better than the PG-13 Power Rangers movie that's out right now. <laughs> Just going whole hog on sort of, like, kind of gross violence. Which I think for also the 90s is, like, its own sort of, like, genre. Is, like, sort of the, the hyper-violence kind of thing. Absolutely. I think... It's it's. I'm surprised that it's so much better because I'm pretty sure none of the same people were involved in making it. Like they didn't have any of the same backing crew or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it probably didn't look as interesting. At least like the effects probably weren't as good. But hey, but they got music done by Les Claypool the third. So is I that, mean, is that the Primus one? Like I, I that's the Primus guess, guy. But, okay, because I have the Wikipedia page open and it doesn't link to his article. I'm pretty sure that's the Primus dude. I know, but he is called Les Claypool, and it would be weird if there was another notable musician with that exact also same very rare Claypool name. Also Les Claypool the third. Yeah. It's the third thing that I think throws it off, because I, I think he doesn't have any sort of, like, you know, ending like that. Yeah. But, you know, he would have been primed for then. He would have been about 30. Yeah, I guess. So he could have done it. He definitely could have done it. But that also, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing he would do, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird, which might, you yeah. know, fit that. Uh, then, 1995, we have a, a Fist of the North Star m- d- straight-to-video martial arts movie? Yeah, this is the only one that I know absolutely nothing about. Okay, um, I... I it, it was released in Japan before America, even though it is all like white people in the mm-hmm. in the cast which is weird um i t- i talked to future friend about it and he all he all he can really say is like it's a really bad martial arts movie <laughs> well yeah it's an american one what do you expect yeah i guess so and like in 95 like uh, you know what was what was even going on and then like there are no real big names attached to it it feels like Mm-hmm. At least not in the in the um, in the roles that matter. Yeah. But like it, it's like just from what I've seen of it, it's like it's it's a very loose adaptation of Fist of the North Star, and like you know, direct to video sort of stuff. I feel like just never really does that well. What do you mean? Uh, like, uh, when's the last time like a straight to video production like 
got any fanfare because it was like really good is kind of my thing. It's like, oh, I mean, it happens, but mostly because it's like a niche genre thing. Yeah. And it seems like uh, overall this was a pretty like rejected uh, movie. Like not a lot of uh, good things come out of it. Doesn't seem like it's it's a very good adaptation of Fist of the North Star. No, that's not too surprising. Yeah, I feel like it's it would be hard to do that in real life and get the same sort of like uh, campy fun. Yeah, like you can't, especially ninety five. I don't think you can get the same sort of like man punches a guy in the stomach so much that it opens up a hole and then his head explodes. Kind of like visceral, stupid gore violence. I don't know when did uh, when did Big Trouble in Little China come out? Like eighty nine. Oh. I think that was 86. So, you know, hmm. I don't know. Well, it was a different time. Like 86 is a different time from 1995. Like, yeah, I feel like they were big, scaling the weirdness back in cinema at that time. And Big Trouble also had like at least triple the budget of the Fist of North Star movie. Of course. So, you know, I think they they could put some more uh, effects work into that. Yeah. After that there's like a long Long break, because uh, we come back with uh, 2008's Speed Racer by the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. And you love this movie. I, uh, all right. Or you have talked very positively about it with me uh, before. I wouldn't quite say I love it, but I do like it a lot more than the critical consensus um, would indicate a person okay. should love it. Because I think it's a pretty fun movie. Because, like, I feel like... All I heard was really bad stuff about it. Yeah, and I don't get it. I don't know if that comes from, like, a a fan's perspective, or what, or like, oh, 2008 was the year that everything was supposed to be gritty and not, like, stupid. (laughs) Especially coming from the Wachowskis, who were well-respected at that point for Matrix. Yeah. Uh, Well, to be fair, it is a very very silly movie, like, even (laughs) sillier sillier than the Speed Racer cartoon. That's nuts. And it's very, very much child-oriented. But, I don't know, I think it's uh, it has a couple of bad scenes here and there, like all the stuff with the kids and the monkey is really bad. But when the races are happening and they're going through like this wild CG neon hellscape and all the cars are ramming into each other and they're doing the car foo stuff, all that stuff's great and I love it. It's just a really fun, silly racing movie. Yeah, I don't know, like, I remember looking at the effects and just thinking, wow, that looks cool, if nothing else, uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was stupid and a child, but, you know, it, it seemed like sort of thing, like, wow, look at that. Because also, I hadn't seen Speed Racer, but everyone talked about it, it's like, oh, cool, I love Speed Racers. Here he comes. You know, I'm not gonna say it's the best movie the Wachowskis have ever made, mm-hmm. uh, but I have said that in the past, and I stand by it. <laughs> Alright, I mean, uh, I, I can't say too much uh, about it, but it's like, it is very very much a different direction than the original. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all these movies have have their own problems of, like, localizing, you know, and not being, kind of not being true to, like, a Japanese source on it. Yeah. Which, which in its own way, sucks. But, like, you know. Mm-hmm. This, this one in particular seems like they got a lot of no-names. I don't know. I mean, not no-names, but... But certainly at the time, I don't feel like they were super popular, like Christina Ricci or, uh... John Goodman's in it. Oh, is he? What's he doing? I think he plays the dad. 
I think so. It's been a, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. Oh, I could be misremembering. Apparently, they were uh, thinking of Shia LaBeouf or Jordan or Joseph Gordon-Levitt for uh, for Speed. Oh, previously, which, huh? I don't know how that could have turned out. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt wasn't that young at the time, was he? Uh, like he was already a way adult. He would have been twenty eight. Yeah. Well, no way. He's that old. Jeez. Like twenty seven. He'd be mid mid late twenties. Yeah, and then that's a little too old. The booth would be speed, sitting cause... right about like above twenty. Yeah, uh, that could have worked. I think and the person they got, Emil Hirsch, is about the same. Okay, and, and you got to get someone reasonably young for Speed Racer. Like that's the point. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, that's that's the Speed Racer movie. What a, <laughs> and it bombed, didn't it? Like it made back like nothing. Yeah, that's the way it went with the Wachowskis. After The Matrix, I'm pretty yeah, sure like, all, all of their of movies the just tanked. Thinking about it? Well, I always... Uh, I, t- I tend to mix up the Wachowskis and the... Um, uh, what's the name of the, the, the sibling duo that made, like, Fargo and No Country uh, for The Coen Brothers. The Coen Brothers. I tend to mix them up sometimes, what movie, who made what movie, but I'm pretty sure they made, like, they made Speed Racer, that tanked. They made Cloud Atlas, that didn't do so hot, and most recently, or at least pretty recently, they made Jupiter Ascending, and that hella tanked. Right, they did V for Vendetta. Oh my god, that's uh, right. As screenwriters producers. Mm, that was bad, and tanked. And then they did Sense8, which is a Netflix thing. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that was them. Or they at least helped create it, like they were, they were leads on that. And I hear yeah. mixed things about Sense8, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Again, it's a Netflix thing. They don't really have to make back the money in that same way. Well, you know, the Coens, they made uh, the Fargo TV show adaptation. I think they worked on it. That was also for Netflix, I think. And that was good, I hear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I also always mix up Fargo with that movie. Um, Who's who's the man that plays Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck made some movie about... um, infiltrating i think north korea as pretending to shoot a movie there to get a bunch of people back uh that's not um that's not that lightning whatever um chopper now what movie am i thinking of like tropic thunder no no that's not the one man it's gonna turn out that i am way wrong on everything about this shit tropic thunder is the movie where robert downey jr blacks up that's okay so i was thinking of that is the name of the movie i was starting to think that that was like a uh like one of those um wave racer sort of games <laughs> there there there's another wave racer game with a name like that right like something thunder like or something like i don't know i have no idea what movie are you thinking of? i am still trying to figure it out <laughs> please i'm gonna cry I can't even find Ben Affleck's filmography right now. Yeah, yeah they. There we go. Filmography. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Um, no. Uh, I killed my lesbian wife, hung her on a meat hook, and now I have a three picture deal at Disney. Uh, Armageddon? Uh, no, <laughs> no, that's not it either. <laughs> oh, man. This is, this is just a great. This is a great derail we're having right now. What? Okay, I'm going to control F filmography. No, I I have it up here. I'm just trying to find it. It's not Gone Girl. Not All right, State there of we play. go. Ben Affleck filmography. 
Argo, that's the one. How did you not see it? That's a one letter different from Fargo. That's what I keep mixing up. I mix up Fargo. Sorry, I and thought Argo. you were just mixing. I didn't know you were mixing up based on the name. I was just saying the name. Oh, you're right. You're right. I should have cleared that up. That is why I mix them up. Okay. Uh, and it's about Iran, not about um, uh, North Korea. That's the one part of it I got wrong. I'm glad because I was also not sure if it was Ben Affleck <laughs> and I was not sure about the name thing. Okay. So I I only embarrassed myself a little bit. Awesome. Thank God. By anime. Uh, then we have 2009 with uh, Astro Boy. Yeah, that has Nick Cage in it. Did you see this? No. This is a CG movie, right? I'm never sure yeah, about this. It's, it's a 3D CG thing. Yeah. And I I definitely remember seeing a lot about it when it was coming out. Because I feel like Astro Boy definitely has, like, maybe the most, like, at least cultural, like, perception of any of these things so far. I don't know. I think this next one's a pretty big heavy hitter. Yeah, it is one of the most existent series, like, in within, the, like, the public conscience of, like, oh, I know what Astro Boy is. Even, like, old people know what Astro Boy okay. is. Okay. Maybe in America. I don't think it's like that over here. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, in America. And I think that's that's part of what helped push this forward, is, like, a thing is, like, oh, maybe old people will want to see it, too. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll want to see Kristen Bell and uh, Donald Sutherland and Nick Cage voice anime people in CG. <laughs> Uh, also, a bomb uh, did not make back yeah. its money Whoops. Uh, at all. And it seems like it was a pretty big flop both in Japan and America. That's surprising. The Japan part, I mean. Yeah, it seems like it, it did, uh, I mean, about as about as well as, like, I don't know, other movies. Like, you know, sitting at, a, like, a 50% kind of, like, high 40s kind of thing. Mm. It's on Rotten Tomatoes score? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. And, I don't, and unfortunately, I just I just don't know much about it. I I had for, I had forgotten this existed <laughs> even. Yeah, it's it's only ever been on the edge of my perception <clears throat> because I definitely never heard of, about it at the time. I heard about Speed Racer and I heard about the next movie coming up, but not about this. Yeah, it, it, they they say it has something like a political agenda um, in in these reviews. And I don't know if that's like. <laughs> Angry Birds style political agenda or like just like a trying to teach lessons kind of thing. Yeah. It's 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 hard to tell with just this sort of information. But it seems like, you know, it's like a hey, this isn't for us, but maybe kids will like it and I don't think it's like Yeah, it. well, it no, at the end money. it turns out that Astro Boy is the one that shot John McCain. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> Did you mean John Kennedy? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I was trying to be contemporary, because oh, this okay. came out in, like, 2009, right after the elections, where I think Obama was up against John McCain, and he got yeah. shot, right? Yes. No, in Vietnam he or whatever. He got He definitely got a bullet at some point. Not during the election, mind, but okay. I think he got shot at some point, okay. and it was by Astro <laughs> You're trying Boy. to find that he got shot, like, Teddy Roosevelt style, like, in the middle of a speech. No. No. <sighs> That said, he did have to get greased out of a tub once, and that was by <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Oh, wow. That's that's t- <laughs> timely. Yeah. Uh, following that, we have Dragon Ball Evolution, same year. Oh, my God. And that is what we call a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen it? Uh, I, I've i seen some behind-the-scenes footage. I have not actually <laughs> seen the movie. 
I have, and it's a weird, wild ride. Okay. Because uh, they, ch- it's probably the most different from the source material of anything on this list, which is saying something. Right, like, it has it has no attachment to, except for, like, character names. Yeah, like, Goku's in it, and they find the Dragon Balls. Uh, I think the, the villain's Piccolo, and I don't... Yep. I think he looks a little Piccolo-y? I don't really remember. Um, and I think Master Roshi shows up at the very end, and he's, like, Chinese... Or something, or like Tibetan. It's very weird. Uh, so the person who played uh, Piccolo is uh, Spike from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, James Marsters. Right. Yeah. And like Goku, Goku goes to high school. Yeah, Goku's in high school and meets his crush yeah. Chi-Chi, and Chi-Chi mm-hmm. is actually played by uh, an Asian woman. <laughs> like, yeah. I think they, they made Goku white, and Piccolo's also white because, you know, they couldn't cast any Namekians, but... Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of the other cast that you would expect to be Asian is, in fact, Asian. Yamcha, Master Roshi, uh, Grandpa Gohan. It's just Goku. I wasn't laughing about that. I was laughing about it. I typed Goku into Google, and the first autocomplete result was Goku Black. So that's (laughs) That's, what they should have done. Right there. That's the Dragon Ball Super. They have um, Goku and Black Goku as his, like, nemesis? Like, evil Goku, and they call him Black Goku. Oh, that's weird. I don't get Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> but uh, Zack Snyder and uh, Robert Rodriguez were uh, were asked to do this film, and they didn't. I'm glad. I, don't know, I think a Zack Snyder Dragon Ball Z film would have been incredible. It would have been something. Yeah, better than this. So here's what I don't get about this movie. They changed so much about it. Like, they made Goku a high schooler. They made it this super weird story just set in, partially in suburban America. Mm-hmm. But they didn't change the collecting the seven Dragon Ball Thing, which is the one thing that I think isn't a good setup for a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, going out on a journey to collect a bunch of things, that doesn't work in a movie, you know? And it's a super weirdly paced movie because they just find the seven Dragon Balls in this 70-minute feature film and it's weird. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just gotten Rob Reiner to play Boo. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> that in. Oh. They got James Wong to direct it in the end. He did, like, some of the Final Destination movies, right? Uh, yeah, I think he did the for the first one and the third one. Okay. That's, that's an, you know, I mean, you know, directors have all sorts of things that they do, but this seems like a weird pick. Like, someone who's more well-known for, like, kind of horror stuff to, to then be part of uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah, I mean, it is a horror story. I don't know, does Dragon Ball Evolution also have, like, Bulma has, like, guns? Yeah. Like, they combine her with Maybe? lunch, kinda? That could be, I don't remember. It's been a long time. All I remember is that it's really short, and they waste a lot of the running time on Goku and Master Roshi just is sitting around in a bubble bath in a cave or whatever. Yeah, it is a short 84 minutes. Yeah. That seems, like, impressively short if you're going to make them search for seven Dragon Balls. Yeah. That's one Dragon Ball every... 12 minutes. Yeah, and then you have to fight uh, Piccolo at the end. Yeah. Yeah, what a weird thing. I remember uh, looking up the soundtrack at some point. I don't remember why, but I remember seeing, like, behind-the-scenes stuff on that. It was just weird. Uh-huh. Because they did not do an orchestral version of Rock the Dragon, which, I mean, what the oh, fuck? Oh, my God. Catch the movie right there. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, or Chala Head Chala. See, in the 
in the in the anime, it's like at one point they say Namek's going to blow up in five minutes, and it takes like ten episodes for it to happen. But in the movie, you know, it's so short. They say Namek's going to blow up in five minutes, and it happens in ten seconds because they got to collect the next Dragon Ball. In That's time. amazing. That's not actually what happens. It was. A I knew they April didn't Fools. go to Namek, but man, okay. Imagine if it had actually taken five minutes. What, yeah. a, what a world, or even just one episode. Imagine if Mr. Popo would have shown up. No, I don't want to imagine what would happen if Mr. <laughs> Popo had shown up. Uh, that blue coloration in the English version is not tricking anyone. Yeah, imagine if Robert Downer Jr. had shown up blacked up to play Mr. Popo. <laughs> just like Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. God, I can't believe, I can't, was that, was that before he he got his career on track and stopped taking all that coke or whatever? It was... Was that before Iron Man? I think it was a r- after Iron Man. Wait, what? So- I think it's... <laughs> look, I'm going to look this up. So by that time, he would have cleaned up. He would have already been on his way to superstardom, and he's fucking playing <laughs> a character whose Tropic- gimmick is that they're in blackface to get roles. All right, Tropic Thunder came out in 2008, which I think is one year... After Iron Man. That's so nuts. How am I struggling this hard to find Iron Man on Robert Downey Jr.'s IMDb <laughs> or Wikipedia page? <sighs> Alright, Iron Man 3. I'm gonna get to Iron Man from there. Ooh, there's Iron Man 2. Almost there. <laughs> oh my god. I can't actually find a link to Iron Man 2. <laughs> Just oh my god. Alright, I'm gonna scroll all the way down. Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man the movie. Also in 2008. Which one came out okay. first? All right, <laughs> now Iron we need Man. To know. Um, May 2, that was the big theatrical release. May 2nd, excuse me. And then Tropic Thunder was August 13th. So that's three months later. Okay. Well, who knows when the filming happened for each of those? Yeah. Either way, uh, I would have expected different uh, after his, like, you know, his rehab and all that, but whatever. So then we have. Uh, 2013, we have Old Boy, which is a remake of a South Korean film from 10 years before, which is itself an adaptation of a manga. Yeah, I've seen it. And the 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 move to America does not make sense because uh, you can have guns in America. You can have guns in America. And like, sort of the big deal with the original is how like that's not an option. <laughs> yeah, it's. So there's a very infamous scene in uh, the original Old Boy where they have to fight in a really tight, claustrophobic hallway, and the main character just has a hammer because it's the only thing he can find as far as a weapon are concerned because, you know, in Korea, gun laws are super strict. And the thugs also all just have bats and stuff. Uh, And, you know, that's... In America, it doesn't work like that, even though I I think the movie takes place in, like, Louisiana or something like that. Okay. You can definitely have guns over there. Yeah, like, there's there's nothing stopping it from here, which is kind of a weird thing. And from what I understand, it's just, like, not as tightly directed as the original. The original scene is very violent, but also very, like, strong as a as a story. Oh, Old Boy is a great movie. Uh, yeah. The American remake, not so much. It's just a very, it's, it's very lame by the numbers remake. And it flopped, like, super spectacularly. Oh, yeah, it got destroyed. I think the it's the worst office. Spike Lee movie 
uh, box office thing that like ever happened. Like it d- it didn't even make five million back on its thirty million budget. Man, that's not a Spike Lee joint. That's just a, a Spike Lee shack, a tent. But this does mark uh, Samuel Jackson's second uh, bit in uh, an anime manga product because he also was like you know he's the main dude in uh, Afro Samurai, which I believe was before this. Yes. That was 2004, I think. You know, he's he's making his way, and now he's and now he's a meme again for liking anime and hentai too. Yeah. <laughs> I, what? Thank a, you. Imagine imagine being old enough and popular enough that you can just say that, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, did Samuel Jackson just say that?" And not like, "Oh, that's gross." Yeah. What a hero. Like he's just allowed to be a gross old man now. Yeah. I saw it as an image set first, and I did. I didn't believe it was real, <laughs> but I'm glad it is. Yeah, I mean, there's there is something charming about that in the same way that, like, I know it came up before, but like, uh, all of Yoko Taro's um, discussions about like Tubi from Near Automata mm-hmm. is like charming in a. I, I like that this like old man is just being honest as like, hey, I uh, I like uh, attractive women, and that's why this character is attractive. Yeah. My favorite thing that he said about that is definitely um, when someone, when he tweeted something along the lines of, it's been brought to my attention that a lot of people have been drawing lewd fan art of 2B uh, (laughs) recently. Uh, This is not okay and something has to be done about it. If someone could uh, (laughs) make a weekly compilation and zip, zip, make it in a zip file and send it to me, that would be great. Yeah. And I think there's there's something charming about that too, because like, how he presents the, uh, the original design of 2B as, like, it wasn't supposed to be sexy, but when I got the first character sheet back, I'm like, this has to be sexier. Because <laughs> it came back as, like, an attractive woman. Yeah. And there's there's something charming about that in a way that, like, definitely for other people it would not be. <laughs> no. And Samuel L. Jackson exemplifies that. Uh, we got way off track. So, old boy. Not very mm-hmm. good. As a remake. There's another really silly uh, plot. I don't want to call it contrivance. Well, I guess it is in this movie, but it isn't in the original, which is what makes it so silly. Okay. And it's that um, in order to track down an individual or uh, a, a certain location, they do it by the um, taking traces of the dumplings that are served to a character at one point and then finding what restaurant those dumplings are made at, which okay. is something that you could probably do in Korea because it's like, you know, it's it's a natural delicacy there. So restaurants definitely like... Serve them. Yeah. Serve them and serve them in very different ways. Like it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's like a it's like a restaurant distinction. Yeah, it's a legitimate delicacy over there. So it, it's got to be treated well. And in America, you know... They keep the same thing in. It's still dumplings uh, that they oh, use. Oh, still dumplings? What? Yeah, so it's, like, impossible to imagine that you could track dumplings to a specific restaurant in America. Unless you're, like, in... If it is in Louisiana, you'd find the one place that serves dumplings. Yeah, and then it turns out that's part of, like, a 200-store chain or whatever. And then you use- <laughs> Like, I wish that would have been the way it turned out. I can't believe it. He got the McDumplings. <laughs> yeah. Then they have to go to every single McDumpling in town. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been a good way to adapt that. But yeah, like, there are, I mean, there aren't, it's not like there aren't American foods that you could, like, make that same sort of thing with. Yeah, they should have done it with McDonald's, and then they, they should have, it should have been like, they find the fries, and then they should have found the exact McDonald's where they, uh, where they cook the fries with that amount of salt. 
Or like, you know, with animal fat instead of uh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so that's... It, it has a lot of contrivances in it because it is such a faithful, in a way, adaptation. Yeah. Which, weird. It is weird. And uh, Then the next year we have Edge of Tomorrow, which is an adaptation of, I guess, a, you know, it's a light novel, but it also got a manga called All You Need Is Kill. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the, um, that, the trailer for that movie Valerian? Yes. I swear to God, every time I see it, I think it's going to be an All You Need Is Kill adaptation. I know what that, I know what it is. Uh, what makes you think that? Because it, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, the suits are kind of similar and it's the same sort of, that like, That is exactly character. it. It's, it's the breastplate on the girl. Yeah. That looks exactly like the suit from All You Need Is Kill. Like, as soon as you said it, I knew what it was. Yeah, and so it's like, I, that bothered me. Anyways, Edge of Tomorrow, which um, then on home release changed its name to the tagline Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Is based on All You Need Is Kill, which is like this time travel, sort or like Groundhog Day, I guess, like war yes. story. Mm-hmm. Um, starring uh, Tom Cruise, which probably, you know, it, it did it well, because this is, I think... Maybe the first successful movie on this list, at least that like has been tracked for like box office budget and stuff. Yeah, and it's also the first good movie on this list. Yeah, well, I, I mean Speed Racer too. But. I hear Edge of Tomorrow is like pretty universally like enjoyable. Like it seems like yeah, there, I like there was a lot of like negative press about it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the the I think also a big thing about it is it being so divorced from the source in a way like not trying to act like it is exactly an adaptation it's more like a inspired by yeah but also it's extremely just an adaptation mm-hmm. I don't, I've never read the original book or the manga but from what I understand the protagonist of the book swears all the time mm-hmm. and they didn't put that in the movie like Tom Cruise isn't cussing all the time and that's a shame yeah I think that fits more with, you know, having to be, like, a, a super soldier constantly reliving the same day where everyone dies. Yeah. And also, he's, he's not a soldier himself. He's just, like, a suit. Oh, yeah. And I think he's supposed to be a teen uh, in the uh, in the original. That's right. But yeah, I mean, like, it it's, it's still, like, super suit humans try to fight off extraterrestrials in a Groundhog Day loop. Which, I, that has its own value to it. Like, it doesn't have to be that smart. No. But, it, you know, it, it's supposed to be fun, and it, it seems like that it accomplished that. I don't know, Dragon Ball doesn't have to be smart. Yeah, but it wasn't also entertaining. <laughs> okay. And I think that's a, a big thing about a lot of these, is sort of mm-hmm. like, it it does its own thing to try to be entertaining and sort of divorced from the original in a way that makes it work for American audiences in a way that it feels like it didn't the other ones we've talked about so far kind of haven't in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. not since, like, uh, Guyver. Uh-huh. Because, like, uh, I mean, Astro Boy maybe, and then maybe it just hit the wrong mark. But Old Boy being so caught up in sort of, like, the, the original Korean movie. And, yeah. you know, like, Dragon Ball Evolution, like, forcing it into this high school plot, but still being so into the Dragon Ball part. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of thing. Well, I think you just... Maybe they just picked the right source material. Like, All You Need Is Kill is already a military story about fighting aliens. You know, that's pretty American. Yeah, that 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 also is just sort of thing that, like, 
resonates with the the movie going audience. Yeah, but teenagers don't, so they had to make him a gruff old white dude. And you put Tom Cruise's Other face on it? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill Paxton's That's there. Big money. Oh, he is in there. That's right. He's the alien. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, it's uh. It that that's maybe the first big like successful movie on this list, and then there haven't been any until Ghost in the Shell and Death Note this year. A peaceful set of years it's been. <laughs> Three years. Yeah, it's, it's I cherish weird, them. Um, seeing kind of like how f- I mean, in some ways, how many there are, but also how few there are. Yeah, like how from 1995 to 2008, there's just like nothing but in a way that's also when like anime sort of came to the west i guess so like they didn't have to make these adaptations they had the source yeah that's true and then it's and then uh, you know 2008 they do speed racer it's kind of like re trying to like capture the american audiences with this with with adaptations of anime well i think this is definitely these movie adaptations of anime always come off the heels of a resurgence of anime popularity in the US. Because mm-hmm. you had the early to mid-2000s um, DVD boom right. and Lake Speed Racer and Astro Boy and Dragon Ball, kind of, Dragon Ball Evolution kind of came out of that. And now you have the uh, the on-demand like revival of anime, sort of, and now you have all these things coming out of production hell again. Yeah, and like, especially now, like, it's never been easier to access anime from like sources that like not even specialized sources um yeah amazon has its own huge thing that it's it's really trying to build up even though it's behind prime like they're they're grabbing these different licenses now and really trying to stand out amongst crunchyroll and netflix and netflix does it really well too because for the last couple years they've been picking all the popular stuff they've made a resurgence anime by just picking all the stuff that people like Mm-hmm. And putting it on their source, which is super easy to find and get to. Yeah. So you know, it's it, there. There is a resurgence in a way, just because of how accessible anime is. And uh, they're trying to they're trying to act on that, and it, it sucks. Yeah. Well, who's surprised? So uh, there, there is at least one more that's confirmed to have come out of um, production hell, and it's coming out next year, which is uh, Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. Originally, um, I believe, directed and produced by James Cameron, but since he's busy Mm -hmm. on Avatar, uh, it's been delayed, and finally he pushed it off to uh, Robert Rodriguez. Who'll do anything for money. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... That that one's been uh, floating around, I feel like, since before Avatar. Absolutely. Which makes sense. It's a very old franchise like i think it ended 95 mm-hmm. so they, they've had a lot of time to work on that with this sort of like and it, it's <laughs> it's it's a little ghost in the shell and that is or like american ghost in the shell and sort of like cyborg martial arts bounty hunter kind of thing right which may also be i mean which may also be something that's like hey we can push for this because this other thing's coming out that's kind of like it and maybe we can write off the coattails of that yeah and it you know, it's it's got its own thing where it's not really casting um, Japanese actors. You know, that's that's always going to be an issue. Yeah, but they are like they're they're definitely pulling in like I think the the main character is played by a a Latina woman. Okay, I'm not positive, but I know that a couple like definitely like non-white names have popped in on there. 
Well, that makes sense if you're going to have Robert Rodriguez working on it. He usually works with pretty multicultural casts, or at least uh, South American casts, if nothing else. Yeah, because um, like Michelle Rodriguez is popping it, uh, popping in here. Um, yeah, yeah uh, Mahershala Ali. Like, there's there's a diversity of names on there, which is good. Um, that's certainly more preferable than sort of the the Ghost in the Shell way, where it's predominantly mm-hmm. uh, white. Yeah. And I'm, you know, uh, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out because, like, Alita itself, I'm not sure how well it it like sticks to a movie. Yeah. Okay. Since 2000, they've registered the .com domain, uh, 20th Century Fox. <laughs> and oh since my goodness. 2003, Cameron has been part of it. Well, he's a, it's probably a passion project for him, because I know he likes anime a lot. Yeah. And I bet he specifically likes Alita, so he wants this to happen. And that's also why I think this, of all these movies that aren't out yet, this is probably the one that has the highest chance of being good. Or, you know, at least, like, faithful. Yeah. And good. Um, <laughs> it sounds like he's really into it, because he's, like, he he's spoken on multiple occasions about, like, specifically the part of the story he wants to adapt... And that he wants to, like, include the fictional sport that's in the series. Like, he's going uh-huh. all out with, like, I really know this material and really want to do something with it. But he's not directing it anymore. Um, I'm sure, like, with the script and stuff, he had some hand in it. And he's, you know, pushing it on to Robert Rodriguez now. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Robert Rodriguez has a thing for, like, action, it seems. Yes. Like, you have your planetary, your machete, uh... Even some moments in the Spy Kids series, like, there's a there's a sense of, of flair there. Yeah. And he did that Predator movie. That Rodriguez brings. And so maybe maybe it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. And then I feel like for a while, um, especially more recently, there have been a huge, a huge amount of, like, announcements for to-be-dated movies. And yeah. I have a list on here. I have a I have a list oh of all of these. So uh, first up, most infamous, the oldest one on this list outside of Alita is uh, Akira. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's 2002, which uh, Warner Brothers got and has like gone through. I feel like three or four or five like complete staff changes. Yeah. Um, and like every couple of years, it pops back up. Like, hey, we talked to this person to see if they want to do this movie, or this person's writing the script or stuff. Um, like, there are still rumors coming out this year. This year, there have been three rumored directors. (laughs) So previously, we had uh, Justin Lin, George Miller, and Christopher Norlin on there. George Miller, I think, could do something really cool with Akira. Yeah, maybe. But then, also rumored, we have, um, Daniel Espinosa and David Sandberg. And then the latest, the latest news coming out of that is that they're considering Jordan Peele. Yeah. You may know from Key and Peele and the director of Get Out. Yeah. Which is, it's it's sort of been Warner Brothers' MO as of late to sort of pick uh, indie darlings who just made a movie that on a small budget that made a lot of money and put them on their enormous $500 million budget movies and see how it works out. That's what they did with Suicide Squad. And, like, Jordan Peele seems like sort of a weird pick because he's, like, he is very, like, uh, comedy-oriented, and that's not what Akira is. Yeah, but, like, Get Out wasn't really a comedy movie yeah, at all. Yeah, 
and it's a I very think, serious like, movie. If nothing else, again, he's going to bring a diversity to the cast. Yeah. But but you wonder how much, like, is Akira trying to be localized, or is it going to stick to being, like, a Japanese story? Yeah, he, he was... Uh, this is the thing that I thought was weird about uh, Jordan Peele getting tapped for this movie, is that he just got done making a movie that leans super heavily into race issues in America. Mm-hmm. And then, right after that, you ask him to direct the Americanized version of a very Japanese movie. I think that's a very strange thing to do. Like, it is it is as Japanese as Ghost in the Shell in a lot of ways. Like, it, just how much it, it is about that culture. I think it's even more so than Ghost in the Shell. Like, I, you can't make... You can't Americanize Akira. Yeah, you couldn't put Akira in, like, New York. No. Without, like, retooling it completely. Missing it. <laughs> like... Yeah. Well, I think you could still get get the same points across, but you'd have to retool it completely. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, otherwise, we have um, 2007, we got a Robotech movie announcement, which itself is like a American readaptation of three anime series turned into one continuity. Uh-huh. So I assume that they do, like, the right. plan would be to do a trilogy, uh, one for each series that they did. And that one got put on the back burner until recently when I think Sony picked up the rights for it. That seems like something they would do. And it used when it got first announced, they had Nick Matthew on it, and now it's James Wan as the director. Which, it's, it, it's impossible to tell with these sorts of things what a director can do with it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Especially Robotech, because, like... <sighs> What's the last big... I mean, I guess Pacific Rim, and I guess the upcoming Pacific Rim 2. It's like, yeah, yeah, robots can make it in uh, American cinema. But, like, we don't have the same sort of, like, mecha fascination, I feel like, as a society. Yeah, and Pacific Rim was a huge gamble that didn't actually pay off super well. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird thing to try be trying this at all. But I think that's true of most of these anime movies anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Mecha just doesn't have the same resonance, I feel like, in America. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's weird to be like, oh, we'll take this extremely Mecha thing. I guess it's, I mean, you could, you could kind of make it like a sci-fi, like a Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, the, me- the mechs do turn into jets, so. And Iron Man's super popular, you know, yeah. that's a little, like, a tiny mech. Yeah. You might be able to make it work, but it is a weird option. <laughs> yeah. And James Wan's a weird pick for a director, because he's done only horror stuff, like, his entire career. Yeah, and, like, Robotech is goofy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's done, like, he's definitely more of, like, a spook house horror guy than, like, a serious horror guy, Mm -hmm. but even then, it's a weird fit. And he's doing, uh, he did Furious 7, right? So I guess he does have, like, stupid spectacle in him. Are you sure about that? Oh my god, you're right. I think I'm thinking about the wrong person. Are you thinking... No, I'm not. Uh, no, you're I thinking was, of James no. Wan. It's just that also, Justin Lin was the previous Fast and Furious director for the last couple movies. So I think you might have gotten right. those two mixed up. No, I genuinely didn't know that James Wan did was the director on Furious 7. Okay. okay, well, never mind then. I guess he'd be great for Robotech, and I hope The Rock is in it. <laughs> oh man, put The Rock in there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then in 2012, two were announced. We have a Bleach movie, which nothing has come out of since. Good. <laughs> what do you What do you do with a Bleach movie? I guess you do Soul Society. Um, 
Uh, no, you could do the Grant Fisher arc. I think that would be better. But, like, you you would have to do just an arc with the setup of the characters and then whatever. Yeah. Well, I, the thing is, I think if you do the Grant Fisher arc, you can cut out the existence of Soul Society altogether. Ah, so you could make it a standalone. Yeah, you could just make it the sort of urban fantasy that Blades was for, like, the first year of its run. And then... Okay. Cut out all, cut out all the fantasy, all the, like, high fan... Well, samurai fantasy stuff, I guess. Mm. And just make it that. But, like, that's the only way I can imagine making a good movie out of it. Because also, that's the only good part of Bleach. God but, damn. But, yeah, like, I don't know. there's so much Bleach I couldn't imagine. It's like, it would be hard-pressed to figure out where to cut it. Yeah. Because it's also, like... All of Bleach was just one really long, ongoing, single story for a long time. Yeah, because I, I, from what I understand, like, all the arcs sort of, like, were left unresolved because there was more to do with everything. Yeah, like, everything from the end of Soul Society to the death of Aizen is one huge storyline. And you can't just cut an Jesus. arc out of that because you'd leave a huge ending open, you know? Yeah. I hope I hope they get Caratop to play Ichigo. <laughs> Fuck. Does he does he have a I mean, you know, he's called Strawberry Caratop. It's mm, <laughs> it's right have, there. They can they can do they can do a joke where he has a really <laughs> tiny sword. It, it was going to be great. Yeah, he has the big muscles for it and everything. Yeah. And then also that year was announced a Lone Wolf and Cub adaptation, which is a weird choice for being so distinctly like a samurai story. They already released the Lone Wolf and Cub movie this year. It was called Logan. Oh. Oh, I guess you're right. It is very uh, yeah. similar in that way. The actual point I was trying to make is that I think it's weird to try to make an American Lone Wolf and Cub movie because that type of storyline is so common nowadays. I like guess the, so. Like, the, the whole, f- like, um, not stepfatherhood, but, like, adoptive fatherhood kind of thing is not yeah. uh, totally unknown anymore, especially in, like, video games. <laughs> Video games and movies, too. Yeah, and movies, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. And they originally had, like, Darren Aronofsky set up as the... As the... Um, mm-hmm. As the director, which, that's, you know... That's a choice. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. Yeah. And then, uh... Since then, they announced that they're gonna... They, the plan is to have Justin Lin do it. Hot off of Akira. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, but yeah, I don't... Lone Wolf and Cub, I guess, yeah, it would it would kind of be Logan. So maybe now is not the right time for it. Or maybe now is the perfect time, because people like Logan, right? Uh, yeah. But I think part of the appeal of Logan lies in the... Familiarity with the characters. Yeah, the familiarity with the X-Men movie franchise as a whole, so... Yeah. I don't know, but I think it, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub definitely makes more sense as something you try to sell to an American audience than a lot of these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it is, like, a more adult series. Yes. It, it is definitely, like, you could you could sell this not only as, like, a kid's thing. Yeah. Which I think is maybe a, f- a, a, a failing of a lot of these other series. Maybe that's why Edge of Tomorrow did so well, is because it's, like, hey, kids like dumb fun action, and so do adults that don't have to, like, know all this lore about stupid high school kids or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh... As of last year, two more were announced. Uh, a Beyblade movie. No information came out of that except, hey, we're planning on a Beyblade live-action movie. 
I hope they get the um I don't know what these guys are called either, but the the crank dudes to make this. I think they'd be perfect Holy for a Beyblade movie. Shit. And also, I hope they uh, do. They put the theme song in, right? Right. The, the the American theme song. Yeah, the Let's Beyblade, and they get Poison to cover it <laughs> because it already fuck. sounds exactly like Talk Dirty to me. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be great. Um, where's my money, shit. Warner or whoever? <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah, I like. You could maybe make a Beyblade work. It's not going to have the 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 cross generation success. Yeah, you know, Pokemon didn't need that. Um, you could you could definitely do it with Beyblade because if there's one thing that series has done well is it's made those stupid tops look cool. Absolutely, but I don't know how you could sell that as a major blockbuster. Like, I think you could make a good movie out of Beyblade. I don't know if you can make a best-selling blockbuster out of Beyblade. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you how do you sell ba- how do you sell the cool tops with the dragons in them to the general audience? You know, yeah, that's <laughs> you'd have to do a lot of like kind of CG like over the top sort of action work on that one. Yeah, and then also announced is a Lionsgate Naruto movie, and even more so than like with Bleach, where do you cut that? I guess you cut that after Zabuza? Yeah, you could do the Zabuza storyline. Um, you could also just try to do the Chunin exams and then not have Orochimaru hijack them, I guess? Yeah, it's it's like, that also has a thing where, like, they start playing into each other, and so it's difficult to, like, yeah. take any of them, like, as their own thing. I, I feel like you'd have to do opening to Zabuza... And you'd still have to, like, cut a lot of the Zabuza, like, working for the mob and all that out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the story that actually, like, delivers about, um... Oh, what's what's his name? Uh, Zabuza's best buddy. Uh... Anzo? Anzo? No, that's not it. Fuck. No. I'm such a bad fan. Um... Sucks. Haku. Haku. There you go. There we go. Thank God. Um, But yeah, like you could do that, I think. And they also, uh, you had talked about the the thing where um, they take someone who's hot off a a low budget movie and put them in the hands of something big. Naruto's like that, except they got like a special effects director. Well, Naruto would need a lot of special effects, so... It, you know, you're... Yeah, it would. You'd have to... Like, all the fire breathing and stuff. I'm trying to think of where else you could cut the movie. I guess you could cut it at the end of the, the friends getting together, but that just build up to a franchise. There's there's no way... There's no good way to cut it that doesn't make it a franchise. I guess you could really mangle it together and just do a Sasuke retrieval story. So, start Shippuden to Sasuke retrieval... No, Sasuke Retrieval is before Shippuden, right? Oh, That's you're talking Sasuke Retrieval like the end of Naruto. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, I guess you I don't could do know. Shippuden to Pain. Uh, maybe, but like that—that that requires way guess... too much like background information to be worthwhile. Yeah. See, like, yeah, I think Naruto and Bleach are super weird picks because they had super long form stories that don't really stop at any point until. 
Shippuden when like you had started getting pain and all those other like temporary villains. Right. Whereas I think with One Piece, you could easily tell a story. You just cut Alabasta, make that one movie, bam, easy. Um, you can't do that with Naruto or Bleach. Like that's yeah, because like weird picks. One Piece has a benefit of just like having distinct islands. A story happens on an island, they leave. They are better for it. Um, Absolutely. Bleach and Naruto are set up as like here are these characters that grow for an entire series. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have the same sort of like cutting point that One Piece would have. And One Piece just has villains that get beat. A yeah, lot, like very often, uh, and Naruto and Bleach don't really for a long time. Yeah, they like Orochimaru's there for the fucking ever. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's weird. Like they're gonna have to change. All right, here's what you do: you make an entire Naruto movie, and it's <laughs> just the first episode where he fights the guy that gets in the like makes him steal the scroll. I was almost thinking you cut it at the end of Kakashi's training with them. Okay, yeah, you could do that. I think like. They just start as a team, they learn better for it, you cut it and just say, like, and then we had many more adventures, and it leaves you open for a sequel, but also, like, it's a stopping point of, like, character growth. Alright, now, you know what they could also do? Uh, started at the tuning exam, just sort of cut out a lot of the backstory. There, Here's all these ninjas, they're gonna go to the ninja school and do the ninja exams. Hi, I'm Naruto, welcome to Jackass, uh, these are my friends, <laughs> and- because the Chunin exams- We're gonna get killed in a forest. The Chunin exams had that. They had that episode that was like Naruto just explaining everything that's going on. Just adapt that and then move on to Chunin exams. Chunin exams are what people care about. And then end it at Naruto versus Gara. Easy. Yeah, you know what? Okay. Because then you get, you get the cool, um, you get the cool written exam bit. Yeah. You get the, the well, forest maybe of hell. change that a little, you know, it's a weird to start off on that. <laughs> Or so no, maybe what replace you do that with something is else. you do the written exam, and that's when Naruto starts doing the, you might be wondering how I got here, <laughs> as he stares at his task that's empty. Yeah. But yeah, or you could start a Force of Death. Then yeah, after force cut out Orochimaru showing up. Yeah, fuck him. Or you know what, no, he can he could show up in the post credit scene for it to set up the sequel, and then yeah, the post credit scene is him... Uh, doing the weird fight with the, with the, uh, with the, with the Hokage where they just hold each other and there's a tree. Right. That's the post credits scene. <laughs> Cause what would you get out of doing the tune? It's a forest of death. Um, there's that whole tournament bit. You'd get the, you'd have to cut out some of them. Like, oh man, that would ruin characters though. Sakura and Ino is like a, an important fight for Sakura's character. What, whatever, we only have we only have two hours. We cut out all the fights. All we put in the tournament <laughs> is we put Naruto versus the dog man. That's in there. Uh, Rock Lee versus Gara because we need to have Gara beat up somebody. Right, we need we need to set up Gara. Yeah. And the fact that he's okay, a you weird. can do Sakura versus Ino. You can keep that in. Um, does Sasuke fight anyone? Uh, Sasuke fights. Who does Sasuke fight? Because he has to get his like seal. Um, he has to, like, get his seal messed up. Uh, I think he fights one of the sound ninjas. Okay. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, I think he fights a lady sound ninja and just completely beats her up. Okay, because there's, then there's Tamari and uh, Shikamaru. Yeah. Uh, you can cut that one out. That one's not important. You can cut out the fight with the one where Choji just gets routed into a wall by one of the sound guys. That one is totally filler. Right, I think you could just then, you could th- then just move to uh, Gara Goes Nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have the final fight where Naruto rides the frog and Gaara is the big sand monster. And then uh, Me Against the World by Simple Plan plays and it's great. Yeah. yeah. 
And then they get Asian Kung Fu Generation to do the soundtrack. Right. And then... Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Absolutely, we got it. And then for... You know, going back to Bleach, for Bleach, the post credit scene could be uh, the the um, the brother showing up and saying, we got to save... We got to bring my sister back to Soul Society. And then the next movie can be Soul right. Society. And then it doesn't matter if there's not because it's just a post credits thing. Yeah, um, exactly. No one cares about post credits. So, yeah. You know what? Hire us. Warner Bros. Get on this. Right. I mean, I could write a great Bleach script, I bet. It, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, Ichigo is going to be gay. Okay. That's He's going to love Chad. That's the only That's the only difference. Yeah, Chad's going to be there. He's gay, too. They love each other. <laughs> great. Man, this character named Chad. <laughs> yeah, well, he's half Mexican, so it's all right. Uh, but yeah, okay. So that's like all the movies. Yeah. All right, though, that was fun. Um, a little, yeah. <laughs> a little less produced than I might have liked, but it was. Hey, I think we had a, a good fun talk. Um, you can you can do anime movies in the West. I think perfectly fine. It's just like citation needed. Not like no one's doing them. <laughs> <laughs> like you have Edge of Tomorrow, and that's like the only one that's been successful. But there, there totally is an audience there. Yes. Um, I mean, like, just animated anime movies are coming out in theaters again. That's like a resurgence in a way, which is cool. I think that's very cool. Yeah, it's like that. That it's become uh, marketable enough again that Funimation can be like, "Hey, we're putting out your name." you know, in theaters, and we're putting out In This Corner of the World, which is such not, like, a, a crowd-pleaser, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's about, like, post-World War II life in Japan. But, like, it, it is neat that these movies are coming out. Like, last year there was uh, Miss Hosokai, and, you know, there are other movies coming out, like the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, and just things like that. That make it think like this. This is becoming profitable again. Yeah. <laughs> that are making people relook at it. Like if you did like enough editing and like didn't do the whole second half of Assassination Classroom, you could have a decent movie there. That right. that fits like a style of movie that you could definitely do. Mm-hmm. I think that you know things like that that we can look at for like shorter series would be more interesting to see how it does in the West as an adaptation. And, uh, please stop whitewashing the cast. I think, um, Nisekoi has a premise that is just silly enough, but not too weird to be a good Hollywood comedy. Like a, like a, like a rom-com. Yeah. Like, it's definitely, it's definitely a, a My Brother's Wedding. There's a lot of slapstick. Yeah. Like, I think slapstick is perfect for that. Like, sure, it's more, like, comedy-oriented and, like, wacky in the original but you can mm-hmm. definitely pull off like a lot of just like beating up a dude you know kind of kind of stuff like because he looked at a girl or whatever like you could make nisekoi work absolutely like there are series that definitely like feel like they could be put in this sort of situation mm-hmm. you know get woody allen to do scum's wish he'd love it oh my god <laughs> i'm sorry that was that was maybe a little too close no, it's okay. After my shitty Rob Reiner joke from earlier, you get to do one too. <laughs> okay, but yeah, like there are um, there are series that would work, and I, you know, like some of these ideas don't seem bad. Like you could probably do Alita, like Ghost in the Shell. In theory, is a workable concept. It's amazing how badly they screwed yeah, it up because it would have been. I f- it feels like 
tailor-made for, let's just make these people. (laughs) You know? Yeah. The fantastical part is the technology, and we have figured out, like, special effects tech. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You didn't need to bungle it like this. (laughs) But I think, like, Dragon Ball doesn't really, uh, like, Dragon Ball, I don't think could have been made into a good movie in this way. No. Like, the reason the other movies have worked well is because they have, you know, years of television to base off of. They're not for, like, new fans in that way. Well, there's also the fact that they they don't adapt the story of the TV show. They have, they tell singular stories. Yeah, for sure. And, like, Astro Boy has an attempt at that and I think just kind of maybe missed its audience. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe Speed Racer in that same way. Like, there are things on here that make sense for, for like, doing films about. Kira's on here, sure. You know. That's a film already. I, I still don't know what the fuck you could do with Beyblade, but you could get kids into that movie. Sure. And we said Lone Wolf Cub. Like, there are definitely stories out there that could be done for this. And it's just, like, they're either not getting picked up or... I don't know. But maybe we'll see that more in the future. Maybe we can see someone get it right. Maybe. It'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, I think, moving forward, what goes on with these sorts of uh, projects. I think Spike Jones could do a killer Makoto Shinkai adaptation. Huh. What what, uh, would he adapt, I'm thinking? Because, like, a lot of Makoto Shinkai stuff is, like, short films. Uh, I think he could do Your Name or Five Centimeters Per Second. Maybe Five Centimeters Maybe Garden of Words? That, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, there, there are opportunities there, and I think they just need to be found. Yeah. But until then, we'll keep getting this, this kind of garbage. And I think oh, well. the, the reason these tend to fail is because they, maybe they don't actually get who the target audience is in some ways. Like, that's, that sounds like such a shitty thing to say, because that's like the, oh, we don't do it for the critics, we do it for fans sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like there's like a, a disconnect when, Adults pick these franchises and try to figure out who to market them towards. Yeah. I think the real issue is trying to consolidate what the source material is to who you're trying to sell it to. Like, I think that's especially the problem with Dragon Ball Evolution. Okay. Yeah. I can see that because you're... It's definitely, like, for kids, but I don't think it's for the kids that would relate to this high schooler. Yeah. Which is already, like, a big issue. Like, you could do it off of Dragon Ball and just have a kid doing, like, cool kung fu shit, and maybe that would be the thing that connects better. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, like especially because Dragon Ball is so built on, like, dumb gags. Like, it's it's all jokes mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. And you could definitely, like, set that to kids. Like, um, I mean, we brought it up a little bit, but, like, in some ways, Power Rangers feels the same way. Like, from what I've heard out of it, it's like, it's not exactly for the kids that would would be into Power Rangers now. Yeah, I hear it's very self-serious. Yeah, and like, maybe it is just for, like, nostalgic fans, but also, from what I hear, it's also like, there's so little Power Rangers to it. Yeah, that is my understanding of it, too. I think there, there's, a, there's a, a, a time that needs to be spent in considering... Uh, the the audience and how to, uh, how to market towards that audience. Yeah, but I I would I want to see more of these, and I want to see specifically better, uh, sort of adaptations. You know, 
It, w- it would be nice to yeah. see something done with it that's like just good. <laughs> I want uh, I want Len Wiseman to direct a, a Helsing movie. Len Wiseman being uh, the creator of Underworld. Oh, like a super campy Helsing. Yeah, that you know that sounds that sounds like Helsing. I guess I should have just said Helsing. <laughs> but yeah, um. You could get, like, a real schlocky, like, Helsing Underworld thing going on. Sure. I want that, uh, and I want George Miller to direct a Trigun adaptation. Those are my two okay, that pipe could be dream cool. anime adaptation wishes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think before, like, George Miller could do something really cool with Akira just for the effects. Um, like, yeah. there are and have been uh, productions with names attached to them that seem really smart and almost like they get it, you know? And I just want to see that potential hit at least, you know, a few more times. Yeah. Or at least once, you know, that would be nice. Yeah. Like, you know, get, just, just do it. I, I want to see one of these succeed and like be good and also recognize, you know, tr- translation of media between cultures has this whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's everything I I think I want to say about uh, these it, Hollywood hotshot fat cat anime movies. Yeah, I just want to close it off with one final thing. Yeah, um, don't go watch Ghost in the Shell. Okay, uh, but instead, if you really need to watch a movie this year that is an adaptation of a sci-fi non-American graphic novel uh, about a man and a woman fighting crime together, uh, watch Valerian. It's by the guy who directed The Fifth Element. It's probably really good. That's a that's like a young adult series, right? No, it's a. I know it seems like it would be, but it's not. It's a it's a French graphic novel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, both of the lead actors in that movie are in their thirties. They don't look it, but they are. Mm-hmm. They they look very young. <laughs> they look really young. Like they look like they're in their teens. It's very strange. You know, I think it's one actually last thing is I think it's really funny that Death Note uh advertises itself as based on the international phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> like it's trying to separate itself. But you can't say the A word. Right. Or like but you could be like graphic novel, like that's a thing. <laughs> like just use yeah. the fucking American word for comic books that well, you, you want to use when you're like trying to be classy. The thing is that the anime is what really blew up. Yeah, okay. And you can't even say based on the hit cartoon. Like, even that would be weird. Yeah. Because that still has its own, like, not prejudices, but, like, its own, like, sense of, oh, that's for children. Yeah. Like, there's no adult name for cartoon. I guess animated series, but even that. Yeah, that has its own trouble. But, yeah. But yeah, it's just weird to go, hit phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Remember all those kids that have been <laughs> under probation for trying to <laughs> kill them? fellow students to oh, a death my God. That's what we want to base this series off of. <sighs> Alright, but before we go, uh, we have uh, a little bit of uh, house cleaning, if you will, uh, based on our um, hotly uh, well-respected and, uh, you know, non-controversial Evangelion episode. Right. Um, first up, we have uh, a, a, a mail that maybe I should have read <laughs> Uh, when we were doing it, as because it's, it's kind of in relation to the discussions we've had. Which is, 
What do you think is a beneficial lesson learned by the anime industry as a result of Evangelion or End of Evangelion? And generally speaking, do we prefer anime before Evangelion or after? Okay. Oh, this was sent by QB. Thank you, QB. Oh, thank you very much. The first question I can't answer because my knowledge of the what of the goings on in the anime industry doesn't stretch back that far in in a very meaningful way. Yeah, like it 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 definitely like changed the scope of what what was seen as a successful anime production because it kind of opened itself to serialization and like not like auteur stuff but like you know like helmed original projects. But yes. other than that uh, I don't have the history or knowledge to be able to say anything more. I was uh, three and four when they came, when that series came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with regards to the second thing, um, this is actually like a, an interesting point because when it comes to most Western art forms, or at least art from the West, I prefer more modern stuff because I'm very much the kind of person who likes their art to be naturalistic. Um, and in the olden days, movies weren't naturalistic, books weren't naturalistic, plays still kind of aren't, but Japan as a whole never really had a naturalistic, like, mumblecore-y movement that the West had. Uh-huh. Uh, like, if you look at anime voice acting still to this day, it's almost universally super theatrical, and that goes for their, like, daytime television and live-action movies, too. That's just what they do over there. So... For anime, I actually don't know which I prefer more. Whereas for everything else, I could easily say more modern stuff is what I prefer. And I think one thing that makes that harder is, like, access to old anime is limited at best. Like, Mm -hmm. as soon as I get before that, you know, before Evangelion, I can think of a few series. Like, there's Dragon Ball. There's Fist of the North Star, there's, like, Saint Seiya. It's all the very, like, old, classic shonen stuff is all I can really say to. And maybe, like, Rose of Versailles. Yeah. I I just have an experience with new anime, especially given how uh, late my interest in the genre came in my life, that I just don't have a lot of experience with old stuff. And it it is such a different beast from back then. Yeah. So it's hard to even say just, like, based on what I know about it, this is better or worse. But, like, it is very uh, different. Like, I think Kanika Man is fun, but you go back, it's very racist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, things like yeah. that, it's it's hard to go back sometimes because it is very, like, dated in its writing and stuff. But there is sort of, like, a... It feels like... It's almost less sort of, like, produced to be popular because, like, at the time there was so little anime that everything was going to have an audience in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it's sort of just, like, they did a lot of, like, really kind of stupid stuff that maybe wouldn't work anymore <laughs> just because there wasn't, like, that same sort of competition. It wasn't the same sort of contest that anime is now for people's attention. Well, you also... You have to keep in mind that all the stuff that wasn't worth remembering isn't remembered anymore. Right. And so, and, you know, you can go like, oh, why were the 80s so much better without all this titty stuff? But like, there's so much stuff that you just don't know about. Yeah. 
that to make like a, a, a something like oh it was so much better back then when I only knew of like fucking MD Geist and uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a very different thing because I'm sure that maybe like they have gotten worse in subject matter, but that doesn't mean they've gotten any like worse in quality. I want to go back to the good old days when all that was on TV 24-7 was Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> That's all they watched in the 70s and 80s. It's true. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's I it's one there. of those things I just I'm I'm not uh well equipped enough to say. It, it but it's a very different thing and I I think there's benefits to both styles of anime. I will say this. Uh, a while ago, I made a um, one of those nine by nine or three by threes favorite anime. Yeah, so nine favorite anime, and all of them were post Evangelion. So make of that what you will. Mm. Except for uh, Trigun might be. No, Trigun's definitely after Evangelion. Yeah, after. So there you go. Yeah, I was about to say I have Card Capture Soccer. That's also after. You know, like yeah, it's it is. Um... It's just one of those things. What it's it's hard to say at this point because I know so many more anime that have been produced after Evangelion than before, and have yeah, seen more of them. Nemdi guy sucks anyway. Let's be honest for a sec. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm kidding. And then a couple other uh, responses, specifically to uh, comments we made in our Evangelion episode. This first one, I'm not going to read it because it's just uh, his real name. But we get this uh, response that says, Dude, you totally missed the point of the new Evangelion movies. Like, really. Jordan even contradicts himself, saying that the new movies take things away from the series, but then saying that they did the exact same thing again. And that's just wrong. The contrast between 2.22 and 3.33 is huge, and there's a reason for that. The new movies are great, especially 3.33, and I urge you to watch it. Alright, well, here's the thing. I... I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that in the Evangelion podcast we did, I never said that the rebuild movies are exactly the same. I, we definitely talked about how the fir- the first two are more direct adaptations of the source. I know that much. They're retellings of the same story, bait story to an extent. Right. Um, and things are also different. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. And they and you said that specifically they take away like backstory and like yes. character defining moments. Mm-hmm. And I think we did talk about how fucking huge the changes from uh, rebuild two to rebuild three. Like yes, the the story goes off the rails in a way that even as someone who hasn't watched all of it, just like looking at plot synopsis is like really daunting as a sort of like complete rewrite of how that story goes and complete changes of characters and stuff that feels so divorced from the Evangelion I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. Also, I said they were good action movies, so get off my back. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Me. And I, it's, uh, I think Rebuild is even more divisive than the original series. Like, if you like them, it's cool. We're not, you know... We're, we're not here to judge. No. I think we've said it before, uh take all of our opinions with a grain of salt. We're just here to talk about our opinions. Exactly. And you know what? If you're enjoying them, that's awesome. Have fun. Have fun waiting for 4.4, that is. <laughs> I mean, 3.3 plus 1 or whatever. Right. And it's 3 plus 1 it. is coming out, maybe. Yeah. Uh, this next one comes from uh, Fractal Sandwich. 
And just just so you know, it's called uh, the the uh, subject line is re Evangelii, so someone else is using it with you. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, here, we, dear Coco Disaster, I haven't seen Evangelion myself, so this is a pretty uninformed question. But there's something that stands out to me that you didn't really go into in your podcast. You mentioned that the show is based around Freudian psychology, and if you want to be charitable, Freudian's work was a relic of his time, and it's questionable how much of it is still applicable today. If you want to be uncharitable, Freud was a horrible sexist, heteronormative piece of shit, and none of the garbage he made up ever had any base in reality. Either way, doesn't that undermine the show's themes pretty badly? Um, I answered this myself because I knew it was going to be a long break between then, and this was one of those things that, like, hey, maybe this will make you decide to watch the show or not. Yeah. And I think uh, if I if I said that it is based around Freudian psychology, I may have made a mistake on that because those themes are present, but they are not the they're not the primary source of like psychology right um yes he name drops like the oral stage and there is like this there is a lot of um talk about sort of the it ego super ego kind of stuff which i think maybe is the one Mm -hmm. thing freud ever made that has like still holds any water these days right but like it's it's like a secondary it's like a secondary characteristic for these characters like i i think uh, Anno has said at points that like, oh well, you know this. The, there's an Electra complex in uh, Asuka, and there's like an Oedipus complex in uh, Shinji. Like that, that barely plays into who they are as characters. Right. Like that seems like an ancillary thing. Like, okay, sure, this like helps to justify like you know Shinji's weird feelings against his father figure. But mm-hmm. I don't think that you could you could cut out all the Freudian stuff and you still end up with a I think a reasonably good psychological analysis of these characters and sort of the what is I think the focus which is sort of the the horrors of um, child soldiers and the 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 difficulty of maintaining a solid psyche throughout that right and I also think that you can absolutely have a show about themes based on things that have been debunked because it's fiction. Mm -hmm. So I think that's okay. Um, Even though in in this specific case, I don't think that that is really what happened, but I think you could do it in theory. Yeah. Like for sure. I think just, I may have brought it up because it's, it is a thing that they name check, Mm -hmm. which may be why I, I may have said like, Oh, Freudian psychology, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, not the same thing. It's not like, uh, you know, Anno takes time out of his day to be like, oh, let me tell you about uh, the Oedipus complex or penis envy. You know, it's not, it's not that deep into it. It's very much like on the, on the ancillary part of the series. Absolutely. So I think you could still watch it and get a lot out of it, even if you uh, have a, have a severe d- distaste for Freud, which I feel like a lot of psychology uh, students or people well-versed in that field uh, might. Yeah. And that's it. It's the end of our tale. It's been wonderful having you on the podcast, Jordan. Thank you. And I'm sad to see you go. <laughs> QB uh, told me um, when I was talking about uh, the future of the podcast that he is going to miss hearing an opinion on the podcast that is the entire polar opposite of his. <laughs> Like someone who does not agree with him even uh, 1% uh, with the story. Oh. And like, and uh, he's talked about how it's been interesting because, it, you know, it's hearing 
anime opinions from a completely different source. It's not like a bad thing. Right. No. It was a legitimate, I'm going to miss this, uh, this viewpoint. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's been, it's been fun having you here and talking to you. Um, I feel like I, I do not have the same, uh, camaraderie or rapport with other people like I do with you. And you're one of the few people I know that's willing to, uh, watch as much anime as you do with me. (laughs) Oh, well. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, maybe we'll see you again another day. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk to you, but it's, it's been fun while it lasted. And I guess to, to actually get to what was going to be brought up also in this is the state of the podcast. Right. Um, for now, I'm going to keep going with it. Uh, still doing the, the seasonal previews and reviews starting with next season and hopefully trying to do some single-serving episodes with different guests and shows that they uh, find interesting to talk about or resonate with them, like, personally. Uh, The first two coming out this season, I'm going to try for, like, four weeks from now and, like, eight weeks from now for the release. First is uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena with my friend Sweet and Awful, which uh, which will be going over the TV series as well as the movie Adolescence of Utena. And then after that, we'll, I'll be doing a show with uh, a friend, Lascari, which is about uh, Katana Gatari. Uh, no relation to the other Nisio Isen uh, Gatari series. Right. Or Gitaru Man. Right, or Gitaru... Man! Man, why isn't there a Gitaru Man anime? Oh, that would be great. They made a Parappa one and he doesn't even rap in it. What? I don't get it. Um... When's Katara Man coming back? Because also he's only had that one game. Well, two. Well, I guess it was the one game on well, the PSP mind. was like an a, an update, wasn't it, or like a port? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it did have more songs on it. Oh, did it? Okay. Well, heck. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So look forward to that. Uh, I'll still be doing the show for as long as I can. We'll see how it goes after this year. That's the general structure. Is it's going to be two non-seasonal shows in between our seasonal coverage, which I'll do with a, a, a buddy of mine who I'll figure out later on. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a pleasure working with you, Jordan. Likewise. I'm happy to talk to you and I'm sad to see you go. <sighs> but that's it for now. Any any last words that you want to give to to our lovely uh, listening audience? Um, man, I've never even seen the rebuild movies. <laughs> Just gonna finally, just gonna finally put it out there, the, the horrible <laughs> truth. Well, I mean, now that I'm no longer on like a government watch list, I think it's time for the <laughs> to the admit all to of the out. lies. Yeah, no, I have. I, I was just kidding. Damn. I just I, you put me on the spot, so I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> it's no problem. But yeah, uh, I guess until next time. I've been Charps away, and I've been Jordan, and this has been Coco Disaster. Hope to see some of you guys come back, even as Jordan moves forward to a bigger, brighter future. You're gonna carry that weight. Sweet dreams. <laughs>